I'm Jen Mueller, host of the Unrivaled Podcast, the podcast where athletes share their journey to becoming pros and the passions that fuel them outside of their sport. Today, our guest is Lauren Cox, the number three overall pick in the 2020 WNBA draft by the Indiana Fever. She's a role model, not just for her skills on the court, but also for the awareness she's brought to those dealing with type 1 diabetes. The disease is just part of the story she'll share today. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You know, when I look at your career, it seems like basketball was something that was obvious for you. How did it get on your radar? Well, both of my parents played basketball in college. So when I was younger, they were basically just like, do whatever sports you want. So I played soccer, basketball, volleyball. I ran track. I tried t-ball one time. Um, So I was playing everything and basketball just kind of became it for me. But at what point did you realize your parents were not like normal parents, that they had some serious skills (laughs) on the court? Um, I would always play like my dad one-on-one out in the front. Um, And, you know, when I was younger, he would beat me. But then, you know, as I started to get taller, as I started to, you know, get more skilled, then I started to beat him. And it was a lot of fun. Well, for you, but probably not for him. (laughs) Yeah, I might have, you know, crushed his ego a little bit, but (laughs) we don't talk about it too much. Well, and when you started playing basketball at five, it doesn't seem unreasonable that that was the path you were on with finally beating your dad at one-on-one. But something happened when you were seven and you got the diagnosis that you had diabetes. What caused your parents to take you for those tests in the first place? I was drinking a lot of water, which led me to going to the bathroom a lot. And those are a couple symptoms of a high blood sugar. And at the time I was running track and I went from winning every race to placing last in every race. So they knew something was up. So took me in, got that blood work done and we got the results back. What do you remember about the day you were diagnosed? I was at my sister's soccer practice. I was eating a Pop-Tart. And (laughs) my parents, they took the Pop-Tart from me, said, we have to go to the hospital. And, you know, I just remember getting pricked with needles everywhere. I had to get an IV, you know, pricking my finger, taking shots, everything. Um, I I didn't really know what was going on. I was seven years old. I had never heard of diabetes before. Didn't know what it was going to be like. So it was a little scary for me. Was it more fear or confusion or... Because you're right, at seven, how do you even start to process that? I would say it's a little bit of both. You know, you are, I hated getting shots. And so you have all these needles poking you everywhere. So you had the fear of that, but then the confusion of why are they doing this? Why am I in a hospital? Why can I only have certain things to eat right now? You know, so it was a little bit of both. You managed the disease beautifully, and I think you looked around and saw that there was a need to be a role model. When did that become a conscious decision for you? I think it was my freshman year in college. Um, I was a little embarrassed by it. Um, I didn't. I don't like to be the center of attention, so I didn't want people looking at me while I was testing my blood sugar, while I was taking insulin. So I tried tried to hide it almost. And so when I got to Baylor, Coach Mulkey was the one that was like, you need to 
teach people. You need to show people what you're doing. You need to be a role model for younger kids. And so that's kind of what started it all. You mentioned being embarrassed. What could that lead to if other people who are not as strong as you or have that support, if they're embarrassed and they don't do those things, what could that possibly lead to with the disease? Um, It could lead to someone not taking care of it. I mean, if you are embarrassed to not test your blood sugar or take insulin for what you eat and you go out to a restaurant and you don't want people to see, then maybe you're like, okay, I'm not going to test my blood sugar this time. Okay. I'm not going to take insulin this time. And that can cause damage in the moment and it can cause damage in the long run. What kind of organizations have you gotten involved in as a result of your experiences? So at Baylor, every year we would have a type 1 awareness night and a bunch of kids would come to the game that had type 1 diabetes and they'd get to watch the game. And then afterwards, I signed autographs, took pictures, you know, visited with all of them. So that was really fun. And then I was a role model at the JDRF Children's Congress, which they have every other year in Washington, D.C. And that was inspiring for me, you know, seeing all those kids aged four to 17 get up on the stage, you know, introduce themselves, go in front of Congress, tell their story. Because when I was their age, I would have never done something like that. So to see them doing that kind of stuff, that was inspiring for me. Then one other thing that I did... I think it was two summers ago, um, down in Waco, we had a um, fundraiser where a bunch of donors, they came, it was kind of a dinner and a silent auction. And I got up on stage with my athletic trainer and my doctors, kind of told my story, answered some questions, that kind of thing. And we raised $50,000 for type one research. Wow, that is amazing. You have come front and center with this. And I know that you've talked about resiliency as being a characteristic that kind of comes with managing the disease. Why is that? Um, It's one of those things where if you don't take care of it, that's a life or death situation. You can't take a day off and be like, oh, I don't really want to take care of it today. So you have to stay on top of things. You have to fight through the difficult times, whatever life, whatever diabetes throws at you, you have to fight through those and get through it. We know how successful you've been and how you've been able to manage it. And you know that you can live a really full life and have a lot of fun. So why was it so difficult to get the news of your sister's diagnosis? You can live a full and happy life and you can do whatever you want to do, but it does suck. I mean, you have to monitor your blood sugar. You have to count your carbs. You have to take insulin. You have all these responsibilities. It makes you grow up really quickly. So I had been dealing with it almost all my life by the time that she got diagnosed. And it's one of those things where I was like, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, you know, and now my sister has to deal with it. But at the same time, she's seen all the things that I've done and she can now look up to me um, as a role model for her. I love the quote that I found from you in an article, and I think you actually wrote this yourself. It's been my refusal to give into temptation of excuse making that's really given me an edge. What does that mean? It's, it would be so easy just to make excuses. Um, everything that life throws at you, whether it's 
diabetes, whether it's basketball, whatever it is in your life, it would just be so easy to make an excuse and put it off to the side and not get through it. But fighting through that, getting through that, it it builds character and it teaches you things that you're not just going to use in that moment, but you're going to use for the rest of your life. And it has helped you get to the WNBA. I'm curious, after scrimmaging your parents in the driveway, at what point did you realize your talent could play at the professional level? I don't think there was ever a specific moment. Um, I think it was just when I got to college and just seeing myself get better and better every day. Um, When I got there my freshman year, I was highly ranked coming out of high school and then you come into college and you're at the bottom of the food chain, you know, (laughs) you have to work your way up and you go from being the best player on your high school team to coming off the bench in my, my instance. Um, So I had to work every single day. Hearing your name called on draft day, I can only imagine what kind of moment that is. How do you tell the story of your draft day experience? Um, It was definitely different um, (laughs) since everything was virtual, but um, we made the most of it. You know, my sisters and I and my parents, we had a lot of fun with it. Just getting ready together, getting everything set up. um, And it was just really fun. And when I heard my name call, it was a dream come true. It kind of calmed all my nerves a little bit. Um, I was just really excited. And we actually had some family and friends um, that were outside of our house that started cheering and honking their horns and everything. So it was a really special moment. Who was the first one to scream inside the house at the news? (laughs) I think it was my dad, actually. (laughs) He was like, woohoo. And (laughs) my sisters were throwing confetti everywhere. And um, it was, it was really cool. So what advice would you give to young athletes with an eye on college or professional ball? I would tell them to work hard every day. It's, it's not an easy process and you can't just expect to work out a couple times a week and make it. It's got to be every single day. You got to put in that extra work outside of your normal practice time and um, just do whatever you can. You were an incredibly successful college player. Your stats are off the charts. You helped the team win a national title. But I know that it wasn't all easy. What was the toughest lesson you learned as a college athlete? Um, I think going back to something that I just mentioned, you know, coming from high school to college, you go from being the best player on your high school team to being at the bottom of the food chain. And um, it's it's a mental thing. You know, you are working hard every day in practice, but you have to go that extra step. You got to put in the extra hours if you want to get some playing time. And um, it, it's definitely mental. You got to get it out of your head. Um, I had really high expectations for myself. And when I didn't meet those expectations, I got frustrated. So um, it was definitely mental for me, but I got through it and um, I did have a successful career and all my hard work did pay off. How do you think that'll help your transition to the pros? I think um, having that same mindset, you know, um, going from being a big contributor on my college team to being a rookie in the WNBA, you know, I don't have the experience. Uh, I'm going to have to learn from the veterans and work hard every single day. What goals have you already set for yourself? 
I just want to help my team in whatever way possible. You know, I want to win. I'm a competitor and whether that's scoring, whether it's rebounding, playing defense, whatever it is, that's what I'm going to do. And we just want to see you on the court. (laughs) That will be fun. We appreciate the time that you've taken with us today. We look forward to seeing what you do in the pros, Lauren. Thank you so much. This is the Unrivaled Podcast, giving fans a refreshing look at sports. I'm Jen Mueller. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Look for Unrivaled's next Inside the Jersey profile of a likable professional athlete coming soon.